going to continue on our series this morning. I know it's Mother's Day, um, and we might normally preach a message on mothers, but um, this is going to help mums, and it's going to help dads, it's going to help everyone this morning. And we're going to do a little bit of honest reflection is probably the best way to describe it. Um, Others might see it as hard work, um, but it's very, very important because we're talking about emotionally healthy spirituality. And uh, I listened in on last week's message from Steve Farrell, which is fantastic. Know yourself that you might know God. And uh, just, he's not here this morning, is he? No, he's, no. Uh, So I can't honor him to his face. But it was a really, really good message uh, about getting in touch with ourself and and having a, a check on who am I? What do I feel? What's God saying in my life? Because the more I know me, the closer I can actually get to know God and, and have Him shape me and change me. And, and obviously week one, we looked at the problem with unhealthy emotional spirituality. And so over the next few weeks, we're going to unpack, well, how do we get healthy in the area of our emotions uh, and so that we can actually be all who God has called us to be? Um, yeah. So I think he talked about last week about the reflection thing, about the mirror. And I think that's so true because often many of us live um, from a projection. What, 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 what image am I projecting of myself so that people will like me, people accept me, people will think I'm cool, they'll think I'm funny, they can think I'm attractive. And this Instagram generation has really solidified this. I, I'm not going to work on who I am as a person. I'm going to work on who I am as a projection of what others might think of me. Rather than, hold on a minute, I want to have a look at the reflection of who I actually am to work on those things, to be who God has called me to be. Because we're not called to measure up to other people's expectation of us. We're not called to measure up of the projection we put of ourselves out there. We're called to measure up to who we actually are compared to the Word of God and grow in those things. So, so this series is more about us holding a mirror to look at the reflection of who we actually are so that the projection that we put out there of ourselves can be a, a true um, reflection of, of who we actually are on the inside. So what, what I want to do today is I'm going to share some real personal stuff um, and be really honest and raw and also respectful because, you know, like, like all of us, we've all got stuff, we've all been through stuff, seen, seen some stuff. And so today we're looking at going back in order to go forward going back in order to go forward, that, that we, if we are to grow in our emotional health, in our spiritual health, sometimes we need to go and address some things in the past to break their chains so that we can live free into the future. And we don't dwell in the past, absolutely not, but we need to sometimes visit that to, to deal with the past in order to be free for the future. So in order to do that, um, I'm going to use the screen here, and on the screen is going to pop up me. If you can't read that because it's small, that says Justin. That's my name. This is me. And so I think about me, what life do I want to live? We've all got a life. All of you have, I'm assuming here, have a pulse and are alive. And with that comes this ridiculous permission that you are in charge of your life. Did you know that? Most of us live by default. Repeating the patterns of the past, just responding to whatever happens in our day, whatever happens in our year, whatever happens in a decade, we just tend to pinball through life, living by default, repeating the patterns of the past and whatever. But we actually are ridiculously in charge of our life. And so for me, I go, well, what kind of life do I want to live? If we go to the next slide, 
the kind of life I want to live is with Anna. So I made a decision in 2002, on the 22nd of September, I remember, make that noted for later, um, to, to dedicate my life to her. So I have a life, and one of the biggest decisions I made with that life was to marry her and spend the rest of my life with her. The greatest decision, other than following Jesus, I've ever made in my life. And then the next slide, these are my kids, our kids. Uh, Luca, Willow, and Oak. So this is our family. And so when I look at my family, I've got a life. Part of that life is I've decided to connect with Anna forever. And then together, we have created a family. And so now we have an opportunity to look at our family and go, what kind of family are we going to build? What kind of things are we going to impress and instill in our children? What kind of things that have flown into my life am I going to allow to flow into their life? Or what things am I going to stop so that they don't have to go through those things? I remember when Luca was born... So you see, it's in order of age. Luca's the first in that line there. Uh, I, I've shared this story before, but the, the moment she was born, um, she was very convenient in her arrival at like 2.30 a.m. Uh, and I was, I was so tired because um, <laughs> it was really late and we'd had a long day. And, um, and so, so I remember at that moment she was born and, and she, we were the only people in the birthing suite at that particular time and they handed me her all rugged up in this cute little um, blanket and she's just so cute and innocent. You used to fit in here. Now look at you, you wouldn't fit. I can't carry you now. And so I, I held her and I just was able to walk through the corridors of, of the birthing unit with her and just looking at this beautiful life that we had created, that this was my daughter, my first child. And I'm not a big crier. I could probably count on one hand the amount of times I've cried in my adult life, but I just found this little, it's almost like a cleaning closet nook and just stood in there in, in the dark and just had this little shine of light from the hallway shining on her face and looking at her and I just started to weep and tears just fell on her blanket. And I, I looked at her and I just made this promise before her and before God that, that I would never allow her to experience any of the pain that I've experienced in my past, that it stops with me and I create a better future for her that she deserves. That I want to live my life by design, not by default, and give her every opportunity in this life to live the kind of life that I believe God has for her. And that's not to throw shade on, on my upbringing on my life, but it was just this, now it's all things are new. Now I'm in charge. Now I take responsibility for my life. And so for, for us, um, that's what we decided. How are we going to raise our, our kids? What are we going to pass on to them? And in order to go forward, like I said, we sometimes need to go back and break f- free of the destructive patterns of the past to live the life God intends for us. The reality is our families are the most important group and the most powerful group that we will ever belong to. And family patterns of the past are played out in our present relationships, whether we are aware of it or not. The way we think, the way we behave, the way we socialize, the way we communicate, the way we handle conflict, the way we process our emotions, are are nine times out of ten just patterns of the past that repeat themselves over and over again, and we don't even realize we're doing it because that's just how life works. 
So in preparation for this, I did my own genogram or family tree, if you like, looking at the patterns of my past. And so slide four here, this is me. So I'm going back in order to look forward. So forward is my kids and what's coming on up from me. So now I need to go back and look at this in order to be able to fully move forward into what I'm, I'm going to pass on through my kids, through my life. And so my mum, Lorraine, who's not here today, happy Mother's Day, mum. And John, my biological father, had me. Now, for those who know my story, uh, I was born when my mum fell pregnant. Um, John, my biological father, did not want to be a dad and did not want the responsibility of being a father. So as soon as he found out I was on the way, he was out the door and he never, ever returned. And I've never seen him. I've never seen a photograph of him. I've never met him. I, I have no idea of anything in that regard. And we go to the next slide. Then mum met Fred, who would be my stepdad. And then they had two children, Ebony and Josh, my brother and sister. And so I, this all happened around age of two for me. And so um, I never knew any different. I lived my whole life uh, not knowing about John till I was 13. Uh, and so for me, it was just mum and dad, my brother and sister throughout all my childhood years. And it was what it was. I felt there was a lacking in me for, for so long. There was this void. Like I was um, tall and dark and handsome. And <laughs> I, don't know, I don't know why you're all laughing. Um, pretty obvious um and my brother and sister were, were blonde and not as athletic in their younger years as perhaps I would and just different temperaments different personality and I felt like the black duck I felt like I was I was adopted and I remember um I think I was about 10 years of age I burst into the lounge room one night and um I was so upset and I was like I know I'm adopted I know I'm adopted I know I'm different there's something about me that's different to, to all of you and why won't you just tell me that I was adopted and mum was like, no, no, don't be silly, don't be silly, You're not, that's ridiculous. But I just had this feeling inside of me ever since I was a little boy. Um, and then age 13, mum did tell me that this is actually what had happened. This was how my life had panned out. And then two years later, her and Fred, my biological father, they, they separated and, and got divorced. Which, as, as divorce does, it causes a fracture in the family that oftentimes is... Uh, irreparable or, or very, very damaging. So if we go to the next slide, let's look at the big picture. This is my two or three generation genogram. Um, so if we go to John, obviously up there, his parents, I have no idea. No idea who they are, where they come from, what they did for work, what their personality type, what their behavioural patterns were, no idea. Mum, I go up here, and at the top you can see Ralph and Wilma, they were her parents, and then they're her siblings on those circle lines. Paul, Jen, who is here this morning, where is Jen? There you are over there. She can see herself up there. And Julie and Linda, the sisters, which are all my aunties. And then Fred, you can see up there, William and Frida, his um, very original names, Frida and then Fred. Um, and then Ruth and Esther, uh, his sisters. So that's my genogram, being really honest. I was going to put it up there with just nameless, going uncle, auntie, grandmother, grandfather, but I thought, stuff it. I'm going to be really honest and real raw. And this, this is my genogram, my lineage. And if you go to the next slide, these are the direct lines of influence that flow to me. 
all of them make me who I am. Patterns of their life, their vices, their attitudes, their lifestyles, their ways of handling conflict, their way of processing emotion, their way of initiating relationships, their, their, their ways of, of thinking about money, about work, about health, about spirituality. This is what forms me to be me. And all of this is flowing directly here to me. And you've got one of these. And this week's chapter is about looking at the past in order to move forward. And I would encourage you to take the time and take the courage to do your own genogram. And you might have far more information about um, people in your family tree than, than, than I do. But look at it. Assess it. Pray through it. Think about it. Think about how you react in situations and where you can trace that back to and why you might be like you are. This is not an easy thing to do. This is confronting. So if we go to the next slide, ask the question, what generational pain, habits, insecurities, or sins are passing through the lines of your genogram? I said we're going to be raw. I said we're going to be real. I said it might even be hard work. This is what it boils down to. What generational pain, habits, insecurities, or sins are flowing through those lines that land at you, who is ridiculously in charge of your life and your future and the decisions that you make? What are those things? And then the next slide. What do we do about it? Tolerate it? The amount of times, like I've seen, I've seen grown men beat their children. And when I confront them on it, yeah, my dad was like that though. Exactly. Exactly. And that's okay. And it's almost a badge of honor when they see what's happened in the generation before them and that's, I am who I am because that's what my dad did to me. But you have a chance to stem the flow of things like that. Now, there are beautiful things as well. There are ki there's kindness and generosity and loving relationships. There's really good things that flow through those lines too that we need to enhance and make sure pass onto a generation. But there's some certain things that we need to look at really carefully and go, what am I going to do with these things? These habits, these ways of thinking, these behaviors, these sins, these destructive patterns that if I don't do something about it, will by default repeat in me and through me and then my kids have got to deal with it in their life. And hopefully they've got the courage to take stock of their life and make some decisions about their future to help their children. So today's the day that some of us need to just to stand up on the inside and go, you know what, I'm going to deal with some stuff. And you might be 60 years of age and, and this might be completely profound to you. Well, hopefully this gives you a framework to be able to take charge of your life and change some things that might need to change in order for you to be more emotionally healthy and develop as a disciple of Jesus. Next slide. Page 89 says this, We have the power to say, this is what I want to keep and this is what I do not want to bring with me to the next generation. 
this is what I want to keep. These loving, affection, kindness. You might have beautiful memories of, you know, your parents reading stories to you at nighttime and this nurturing bedtime thing or, or just going on family holidays and creating memories or, or the way that your parents would treat um, other people and bring them into their house with hospitality. All those things are fantastic. Make sure you identify those things too and, and that they pass through you. But sins and habits and... Um, destructive patterns, all those things we need to take stock of. You know what? No, that's not going to pass through to my kids. Now, in doing this, what we are not doing is demonizing our ancestors, our grandparents, our parents, great-grandparents. We're not demonizing. This is not about judging. Go, oh, well, my great-great-uncle Richard, he was an alcoholic, and so therefore he was a dirtbag. And, uh, no. That can't be changed. That is what it is. It's not about casting judgment. It's about us identifying and locating where we are because of all that so that we can move into our future. It's, it's less about dwelling on those things as it is about preparing ourselves for the future of our own life. So we're not trying to cast judgment or cast shame or guilt or, or anything like that. That's not what I'm saying. But what we are talking about is us taking charge of our life in order to walk with freedom into our future and oftentimes many of us don't think about these things we can live on autopilot and opportunity and circumstance and whatever just help us live by default um last slide i beg you do not do this alone Processing this needs to be done in, in the context of community. With a mature friend, spiritual director, a pastor, a mentor, a counsellor, a therapist maybe. Because some of us, if we do this, are going to come up with some stuff that's pretty confronting, horrific, tragic, and it's going to trigger a lot of stuff for some of us. And for us to process this alone could actually be more damaging than, than good. But having someone we trust who can go the journey with us, and this is not going to take a day or a week, this might take a year, two years, three, whatever, for people to really get on this path of healing, but, but it's worth it. Jesus is the author and the perfecter of our faith, which tells us there is this sanctification process, physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually, that we are all on as we grow in the likeness of Christ. And so, yes, we do this with Him as He is our perfecter. He's helping us along the pathway, but we also need people, community, friends, mentors, like I said, people who are mature to help us in this process. Because it's, it's hard. And full disclosure, I haven't totally gone there with this stuff yet. I've done enough to map it out. My next step is to start to identify those things that channel, channel through those red lines. Start to identify those things. Start to pray into those things. Start to talk through those things with, with people who can actually help me process those things. Because I want to be better. I want to be healthier. I want to be more whole. I want to be free 
of the things that cloud my mind and cloud my soul because I'm just allowing them to flow through me from generations gone before me. But I'm ridiculously in charge of my life. I married the girl of my dreams and we started a beautiful family together. I want to make sure what I pass through to them is setting them up for their healthiest, most beautiful, colorful life following Jesus. And that I do the heavy lifting of dealing with the past so they've got less to deal with when they grow up and get, get control over their own lives, if that makes sense. That's pretty much it. I mean, and this Mother's Day is not supposed to be a solemn message. So I apologize if I ruined your Mother's Day. But at the same time, this, this, if we lean into this, it could be really, really helpful for us. Do not do this today. Do not do this today. Go home. Go out for lunch. Enjoy the sunshine. Live in denial for the next 24 hours. This doesn't even, it's not even a thing. Tomorrow's another day. But I encourage you, put it on your radar. We need to go back in order to move forward. Deal with the destructive patterns of the past in order to move into the more fullness of freedom of life that Jesus has for us. And that's the beauty of the Christian faith, is that our past does not define us. Jesus defines us. In fact, our past does define us, but in Christ, He redefines us. He redefines us. And so it's up to you and it's up to me whether we live out our redefined life or whether we live by default the life defined for us by what we've just allowed to flow into us from past generations. So tomorrow, not today. Not today. Start to think about that. What's my redefined life? What stops with me? And what flows through me? Because in mind, there are stacks of hurt. Like even just the, the, the my dad bailed on me thing, that's been huge. Like that's, like that's put inside of me. So am I allowed to be real? Or is this, I could put on the fake Christian pastor thing if you want, but um, now look, I'll just be real. Um, the, 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 the dad bailing thing on me, that's put a seed of rejection in me. That I didn't know existed until probably about five years ago. And how that works out is I need people to like me. And so I will avoid confrontation. I'll, I'll adapt to any situation I'm in to make people feel like I'm worthy of their affection and their appreciation. And all because I'm deathly afraid of their rejection, if I'm being really honest. And it got me thinking a while ago, God, where does that rejection thing come from? Why do I feel like people's rejection is so um, painful to me? And it goes back to my whole conception, my whole birth. And I lived my whole life not knowing where that come from. But when you slow down long enough to stop living such a high-paced life to accumulate stuff, to live a slightly slower life to deal with your stuff, these things start to come to the surface. And as they come to the surface, you can identify them. Once you identify them, 
you can pray about them and remove their power and start to move into a new space and a new thing. And so that's my journey, one of the aspects of my genogram, of caring less about the approval of others, ultimately seeking the approval of God himself, allowing myself to have more confrontational conversations, knowing that the outcome of that, whether they like me or not, is irrelevant. Now, I'm not being a jerk. I don't want to be a jerk to people because kindness is the medicine of the kingdom. But it takes that pressure off. It takes that root of rejection out again so it doesn't start to bear fruit, bad fruit in my world. But there's a bunch of beautiful things in my genogram too that I'm really thankful for. A lot of kindness, a lot of generosity, a lot of grace. And they're the things I want to pass through to my kids. And again, we're not looking to judge our family. Because you know what? As I look through my family tree, I know that every one of them did the best they could with what they had. And that gives me grace through the imperfections. Even some of the worst stuff, they probably did the best they could with what they had, what information they had. I dare say none of them had someone like me giving a message like this. They just lived by default. So that allows me to not judge, but to show grace, but also to stem the flow of unhealthy things going through my line. Let's pray.